Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the Brandel Chambly podcast with Jaime Diaz. Uh, we're here on the eve of the Masters, and we're going to be talking a lot about that. It's amazing that it's happening in November, and it's going to be the crowning achievement, I think, for golf this year, uh, as far as just getting it done. And it's going to be very special, I think, and very intriguing. So, but before we talk about that, and let me just welcome Brandel. Thanks for being with us again, Brandel. Always great to hear from you, especially now from your new home in Scottsdale. Yeah, it's nice, uh, nice to join you. Always nice catching up, talking about uh, current events in the game of golf. And uh, yeah, it's good. My wife and I have been back here for four or five months. We're settling in, uh, quite enjoying ourselves. Uh, but looking forward to, I'm sure you are, what, probably Saturday. I'm headed to the Masters. So got to get over there in time to take uh, our COVID yeah. test on it's Sunday. Dead. That we probably get on site on Monday. So a little more complicated than the last time I was at Augusta. Yeah, I have COVID paranoia. Always. <laughs> I think I'm okay, but you never, you know, could be asymptomatic. Do not want to test positive because that is uh, right. very, disrupt very disruptive to everybody, not just, you know, the one person. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Anyhow, okay, I won't talk about it more. <laughs> it's like saying shank. Okay, no. Um, I did want to mention uh, just a tip of the hat to, to Brian Gay. I, I loved what he did in the Bahamas. Um, excuse me, in Bermuda. Uh, and he's 48 years old. Uh, not that I identify with him, but it's he's an undersized guy with tremendous all-around game. Well, obviously, the game is kind of passing by for most courses, but on his course, on his week, with that putting stroke, he is a wonder. And uh, I, I thought what he did was great. Uh, I'll always remember him winning and Hilton Head by 10 strokes. I thought that said a lot about his capacities. Um, but I, I just I just love to watch. I, also, he's Steve Burkowski's uh, old roommate at Florida. So I sort of feel like uh, we kind of know him a little bit at Golf Channel uh, in, a, in, a, in a slightly connected way. But I, I'm, I'm sure you play with Brian. And I just wondered, when, when someone does something like that, with his pr profile, uh, what your thoughts are? Yeah, I mean, uh, I played with Brian in the Mexican Open before he had qualified for the tour. Well, I'm sure it was 25 years ago, something along those lines, sometimes in, sometime in the 90s. And, you know, man, I would have lost money on him winning five times. I just, you know, there is uh, short and then there's really short. And he was, he was in the latter of those two. So I thought he would, I thought he would just struggle on the PGA tour uh, from that perspective. I remember playing with him though. And his wife uh, called me afterwards and said, you know, um, can you give me any advice to pass along to Brian? And I offered them my caddy fellow by the name of Andy Portia, uh, who was just a phenomenal and still is a phenomenal caddy. You know, he's got a great family and, uh, so my caddy went and worked for Brian at tour school. I believe he made it that year. Uh, and look, I mean, as I, as I say all the time, there's still room in this game. If you, if you can do certain things really well, you don't have to hit it nine miles as you know, we've heard at different times this year, we've heard Kevin Kisner throw his arms up in the air and say, you know, yeah. I can't remember exactly his wording, but it was, you know, plaintive woes about how far uh, people <laughs> hit it. Probably edited and, a bit. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, there was Matthew Fitzpatrick along the same lines. And throughout the course of a year, it seems more often now, you, you'll hear this, you know, 
a half a dozen or a dozen times from players who can't hit it far. But again, there's, there's tons of room in this game for people who could do other things besides hit it nine miles. And, and, you know, it's worth reminding people once again, that the leader in scoring average this year, the Varden trophy winner um, was 107th in driving distance. So, you know, Brian Gay hit it really straight and putted really well. So, you know, when you're amongst the best that two pretty important aspects of the game, um, you know, you don't necessarily need to be um, behemoth off of the tee. So, you know, I, I never would have thought, you know, again, you know, that is that old saying that Tom Brady's father said about him. He said, the reason you guys didn't draft him any higher is because you couldn't cut him open and look inside of him. And you never know what's mm -hmm. inside of people. Yeah. And Brian is not only a, one of the straightest hitters of the last 20, 25 years on the PGA tour. He's been one of the best putters and, and uh, you know, apparently is, uh, is quite the grinder. So again, it, it's, it's good for the tour to have winners like that pop up. Um, you know, it's back-to-back -back years on that golf course though, where we've had, you know, shortish hitters, Brendan Todd, Brian Gay, um, you know, there's, there's still golf courses on the PGA tour that allow everybody to have an equal chance. And more often than not, when you play those golf courses, straight hitters work their way towards the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, I love the way you finished on 72nd, just stiffen that wedge uh, from, a, from an awkward lie and then closing it out with uh, a nice 18-footer, just pure in the heart. So those are the things I think that speak about what's inside too. But, um, but let's move on to, uh, to the main topic in golf for everybody. Even this week with Houston being played, everybody's anticipating the Masters. And we're going to obviously have a, the, I guess it's the first November uh, in Augusta. I forgot what other month they played it in. It wasn't November, though. Um, and, you know, everybody's asking the obvious questions. So we'll just get your views. You know, will it favor different players? Uh, it sounds like the weather's going to be pretty temperate in the 70s. Uh, will the challenge be different, in your opinion? Uh, how? How well, much is yeah. it, you know, a different, a different place? Yeah, I've heard, you know, probably exactly what you've heard is that the golf course is going to be a little bit slower. Um, uh, you know, so it's, it's going to play a little bit longer. Um, I suspect that the greens will be because I've looked at the weather. I'm sure you have as well. And the weather is going to be, you know, warm. And for the most part, it looks like favorable to somewhat, you know, firmer conditions on the greens. Um, but, you know, given the nature of, of winter grasses and early winter grasses, and again, Augusta National, they have the ability to do things, you know, in a way that boggles the minds of even top agronomists. But um, by all accounts, it's going to be a little longer tee to green, but I suspect that the greens will be along the lines of what most of us expect. But in terms of what kind of players, you know, Again, it's it's a, such an elite field, and it brings it has a way of of bringing out the best in the best players. That that is, there's not a lot of surprises there. Um, mm -hmm. It is primarily a top fifteen in the world contest. Um, that is that is you know for the most part that who's that's who prevails there year in and year out. There's the odd exception from time to time. You know the weather will conspire to allow other players, you know, that, that hit it shorter or hit flat at lower years, 2003, 2007, um, we're certainly along those lines, but I don't think we're gonna get that kind of weather there that will allow shorter, uh, lower flighted, you know, world-class players to, mm -hmm. uh, to factor in. Yeah. And, you know, again, the other obvious question is no fans. Uh, what is that effect? I know we've talked, you've talked about this on, on Golf Central and on Live Froms, you know, how, what is the chemistry like? What does it do to the in, insides of a player to not have fans there? I, I'm sure everybody's different, but is there a general trend? And, and especially at Augusta, everybody talks about roars and everybody talks about, you know, just the incredible intimacy of that, of that gallery um, and the patrons. But, uh, you know, my own view, I think it helps someone like Rory, uh, who is someone I think who, you know, is very aware, I think, of his surroundings. And sometimes it inspires him, but I think sometimes, you know, he, he may play for the fans more than he plays, not, not more than he plays for himself, but more than other players, perhaps. 
and that can end up being a burden sometimes. But honestly, I think it, I really think it just about helps everybody. I don't think many guys at that level need a lot of adrenaline to get going. Uh, but, you know, I think it might help uh, the guy who is more attuned to external factors. But the guys who are able to get in a bubble, I think it helps them. Uh, what, what are your views? Well, I think there's one player in particular that everybody looks at and, and, and says, you know, the reverence that pervades Augusta National year in and year out because of the patrons. Um, you know, I think it benefits the more jittery player in mm -hmm. Bubba Watson. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of things about Augusta National that benefit Bubba Watson. Um, but I think that's one of them. Outside of that, the fact that there's no patrons, I, I, don't, I don't see a, a plus or a minus as it relates to players, uh, it's it's more of an experience from the patrons' perspective, and from those watching at home. Because I think one of the great joys of watching the Masters are the roars that echo in those pine trees. And as someone's settling in over a putt, and it's quiet, and you know the announcers do a great job that week of of letting the scene sort of unfold without words and then you'll hear a roar come across the golf course you're not going to hear that roar and wonder you know what or which one of the leaders did did what on which hole and so you know i think from a, a viewing experience it, it will be you know somewhat lacking um but other than that i think all of us look forward to the sights and the sounds you know the you know, it's typically a springtime event, but by all accounts, it's going to be sort of springtime weather there. Um, and, you know, I, I think whatever excitement that we normally feel, you know, whatever percentage you want to allot to it, but I think, you know, half of it watching the Masters is from the roars of the crowd. Um, you know, and I can't think of another golf course that teases players into trying epic shots and and allows them to pull them off and you know you have them flourish and fail and 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 the the rise you know of of the of the timber of the crowd i mean it's it's a huge part of the masters so you know look, I'm, we're all very excited that we're going to go there and we're, you know we're going to get to have a masters in 2020 but of all the tournaments on the landscape as I've watched them all, you know, once I, you know, two minutes into the telecast, I, I hardly notice that there are no spectators, but I think we all will at, at Augusta National, uh, but I don't think it'll affect the outcome personally in any way. I can't yeah. look at the leaderboard and say, oh, he's going to benefit and he's going to suffer. And he's, gonna... I just, I just don't find that a compelling facet of this, of this masters in terms of predicting who's going to win and who's going to, uh, play below, below their standards. I'm with you on that. And of course you played, you've been inside those, those gallery ropes and uh, at, at Augusta and elsewhere. And I, I sort of believe that when you reach the level that you reached, uh, you're able uh, just by your professional skill to, to 95% of the time, put yourself in your own head. And the externals are out there and you're aware, but it's not a distraction. And it's not necessarily an inspiration. It's just a neutral. And I think the best players do that. Also, as a viewing experience, I, I, I over the last year or since, you know, since we've had no spectators, since the, uh, the, the tour came back from the pandemic, I found myself more in the player's head as a viewer. It's like I'm thinking along with them a little bit more just because of the silence, just because of the a sense of a, being in a vacuum with somebody. So, and that's an intangible, but I, I, I almost feel like it's a more intense experience in terms of identifying with what the player's facing. But just very quickly, you mentioned Bubba, which I think is a great, a great insight about the one guy it might really help. And Bubba recently, um, I think he was talking to Steve DiMeglio at uh, USA Today, sort of openly talked about his anxiety issues. Uh, he's kind of alluded to them in the past and ADD as well, but certainly, He's been a jumpy, jittery player by, by his own account. But this is the first time I've actually seen him, you know, directly address it as something that's been a detriment to his abilities and his achievements. Uh, he's usually lowballing about, oh, I just want to, you know, 
I want to win six tournaments in my career. I'll be, I'll be happy or whatever random number where you see when he wins two majors, two masters, the way he did, how much game he really has when everything's clicking. So I just wondered, do you think addressing it publicly like that is something that might liberate him or in some way or another help, help him perform? Well, I think, I think a lot of people have been encouraged and helped by, you know, the voices that everybody's had in the world is social, you know, that look, there has been some positive benefits to social media and that, you know, stories that you connect with and that sort of touch you um, are, are more out there. And so I think people are encouraged They look around and like, oh, I'm not the only one dealing with, you know, everybody, everybody's dealing with something. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you look at. You can look at the brightest star on the, you know, on, there is, and, and they've, they've got something they're dealing with. Everybody, nobody goes through life unscathed. And so, you know, the thing about Bubba's story is there's other people out there who are probably struggling with some aspect of their life. Maybe it is anxiety, maybe it's depression. And they're like, oh, I'm not alone. And, and, and I think that's an important thing. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good to hear Bubba's story, you know, but when you start to look at, you know, Bubba's game, uh, it doesn't look like there's any anxiety in his game. I mean, he's definitely trending in the right direction. You know, his world rank had fallen down, you know, fairly considerably outside the top 50 in the world, but he's played well enough as of late. Um, when he finished seventh CJ cup and fourth Zozo, and that got him back into the top 50 in the world. So, you know, headed in the right direction. So, you know, at 40, what do you see, 41 years old, sneaky, um, sneaky old and sneaky, a lot of wins, you know, um, I think he's got 13, 13 wins, I believe is what he's got. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, but Augusta suits him. You know, I, I can't have, I can't think of another player and another golf course that are a better fit. You know, he likes to slice his driver, which right. is the which is a right to left tee shot, obviously, because he's a lefty. So that helps him huge in a, in a huge way off of, you know, some key holes, uh, two, 10 and 13 and 14 at Augusta National. And then he likes to draw his irons, which again is is a left to right shot, which again uh, helps you on so many different shots into uh, into the greens at Augusta National. As Phil Mickelson has, has talked about, in particular, the, the 12th hole, um, you know, their, their pulled long iron shot, or excuse me, their pulled short iron shot into 12 goes and carries a bit further. So if they miss it, you know, pulling it, it's gonna carry further and get them over the water. And if they come out of it and miss it to the right, which is the more typical miss with short irons and pressure, it's going to go to the shorter carry on the left of that green. So, you know, the golf course just is, I think, uniquely suited for extraordinarily talented left-handed players. And we, yeah. we've had more than our share of those over the last 20 years, and they've got more than their share of ma Masters uh, wins to their credit. Yep. And Bubba's going to be 42 today. Is that uh, Kaz? Thank you for uh, is that right. It's his birthday today. Yeah, birthday today. I, I consider him a very young 42 in spirit, but also in body. And I honestly believe he's still got as much golf in him as he's ever had, if he can bring it out mentally. Uh, I think that drop way down to out of the top 50 was, you know, really an aberration in terms of his talent, but not perhaps a, an aberration in terms of his mental struggles. So if he's got a handle on that, uh, I, I just, I've always been a big Bubba fan in terms of just being able to, to move that golf ball and control it with power. It's, it's quite unique, I think, um, among, in, in the last 20 years, you used to see it a yeah. little bit more when the equipment was different. So I'm a fan and uh, I, I, uh, I think he might be a sleeper this week. Well, there's, a, there's, there's yeah. a lot to learn from Bubba, you know, as the world gets, as the world gets enamored with uh, distance and, and, you know, the guys that go to the gym and, you know, everybody's posting videos. I saw Brooks Kepka posting a video of his workout this week in Houston, Dustin Johnson and you know, Justin Thomas and Rory and Bryson DeChambeau. Here's, here's Bubba who, you know, doesn't look like he spent two minutes in a gym. 
uh, and it is the best driver of the bunch, the highest record, or excuse me, the highest stroke gain off of the tee record goes to Bubba in the strokes gain era. Um, you know, at his, you know, as he's getting 41, maybe he's slowing down a bit, but longer than all of them. Uh, and, and didn't go to the gym. So it begs, and, and people love to dismiss people like that as freaks. Same is true of John Daly. He certainly didn't go to the gym and he blew it past everybody. So I, I almost feel like his, his whole world's enamored with Bryce and DeChambeau. They're chasing the wrong rabbit. Uh, you know, that all they have to do is just look at the golf swing of Bubba and there are all the elements of power. And, you know, you could save yourself a lot of time in the gym by just, by just uh, trying to emulate some of the moves that Bubba Watson has. It's not freakish. He's not a freak athlete, you know. Well, you've always said he put the mirror on him and it's Jack Nicholas. so. It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's very similar to Jack Nicholas. Yeah. Same with John Daly. One of my favorite pieces of video is when John Daly was winning the PGA Championship in 1991, Jack Nicholas was up in the booth, guest commentator. Jim Nance was... Uh, talking to Jack and he said, have you ever seen anything like that? And Jack said, no, I've never seen anybody swing a golf club like that. Never, never seen anybody, you know, and sort of intimating that it right. was a idiosyncratic sort of weird look. But then they put a young Jack Nicholas at the top of his swing up on the screen. And then they put a young John Daly, or excuse me, a John Daly up yeah. on the screen and they looked identical. John's swing was a little longer, but absolutely identical. Yeah. Jack was like, you know, flabbergasted. Say, well, you know, he never seen himself swing. I, guess. I mean, he's seen it on film, but he'd never seen himself. But, uh, but, but you're right. They were and identical. Golf you swings. touched on this in your book. You know, these these uh, verities that go yeah. through yeah, so many John, of the greatest players. Yeah. But John was dismissed as a as a freak. And that's how that's how people ignore. What they shouldn't ignore, they dismiss it as freakish. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, you know, they'll go copy some aesthetic ideal of a golf swing that hardly moves. And it's like, well, wait a minute. The guys who hit the furthest are the ones who are moving everywhere. You know, John Daly's all over the place. Uh, Bo Watson's all over the place. Bryson DeChambeau's all over the place. It's like, why would anybody use a word like restricted and stable? Never. Mm -hmm. Those are ridiculous words to use. Um, you know, it's like, who, who's, who's, who's stable when they're performing something at, at high speed and athletic, you know, they're fluid. They may be graceful, um, but, you know, you wouldn't call Barry Bonds's swing of the bat stable. Uh, right. It's, it's violent. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he's recruiting all the right, um, all the right muscles, all the right movements. And that's what Bubba does. And so, you know, as you watch Bryce and DeChambeau and we're, we will spend a lot of time talking about his diet and his golf swing and his improved chances of winning at Augusta National. Uh, and certainly those are worth talking about, but it's, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in Bryson and miss the fact that Bubba did it in a much simpler way. Yeah. Oh, the, the Sam's need way uh, to use an icon, but um, let's talk about some of the, Various uh, names, obviously, that people are considering as, you know, maybe the maybe the winner next week. Uh, I, I'd like to start with Dustin Johnson, just because he's number one in the world and kind of under the radar. Obviously, he had a little bout with COVID, but some of that golf he played late summer, early fall, that's some of the best golf of his career, uh, especially winning by 11 at Northern Trust. And um, that was a really impressive uh, FedEx victory, I thought, at, uh, at East Lake. And he just looked like he had it all back after looking like, gosh, what happened? He shot a couple of 80s at Memorial and was he injured? Was he somehow losing, you know, whatever, whatever uh, that, that consistency that he's always shown T to green suddenly, but it just shows, I guess, sometimes everybody has a little moment, but man, he came back from that moment tremendously. He was second last year at, at Augusta uh, and obviously just second, uh, you know, played well at Harding. Uh, he's, He's somebody, I think, under the radar, as I said, and I, I uh, wonder what your thoughts are about him at Augusta are. <laughs> well, it's hard to look too many other places besides him. You know, like, again, you alluded to him finishing runner-up at Augusta, and it's been a, you know, a, a, a sort of steady process for him to 
incorporate everything into his game that he needed to incorporate into his game there, which is, you know, figuring out a way as a predominantly left to right player to play his best golf on pivotal holes there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the maturation process is over. The mystery is gone. Uh, and he, you know, he comes in there, I'm sure as confident as, you know, perhaps as confident as he was in, what was it, 2017 when he had won three in a row and looked like yeah. as sure a bet to win the Masters as you would have argued he was a sure bet to win the Open in 2015 after 36 holes. And he was then inexplicably nowhere to be found on the weekend. And then bad luck prevailed again at the Masters. Maybe the stars line up this time. And, you know, you talk about what he did at the PGA, he finished second. And then, of course, he won the Northern Trust by 11. Uh, he was sixth, quietly sixth at the U.S. Open. Uh, mm -hmm. But hasn't played poorly in, you know, a handful of months, but hasn't played at all since the U.S. Open. Right. Um, so, you know, there, there will be some, I suppose, uh, question marks about, you know, has he been sharpening the knife or, you know, um, and, and typically when he comes back from breaks, he doesn't, doesn't seem to, to suffer from the layoffs. Um, so, you know, it, again, it's very hard to look too many places uh, at the Masters than, you know, at the very top of the world rankings, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, um, you know, and then I would, you know, I would say, you know, Xander Shaffley, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay. You know, again, you, you know, you look right at the top um, because, you know, again, the Masters allows the best to play their very best. It allows players that struggle off the tee to still get around, but it allows those that, you know, are a little bit straighter. It certainly doesn't, uh, um, it doesn't hinder too many of the world's best players unless they struggle on the greens. And then, you know, as Justin Thomas has at Augusta National. So, you know, you start to look at Justin and you think, well, at least in my view, he has one aspect of the game is I would put more important than any other. And that's the ability to hit high long iron shots or high iron shots off of sort of draw lies, high cuts off draw lies. Uh, you know, I, I think that's why Justin or Jordan Spieth has had such a good record there. Certainly why Jack Nicklaus won six times there, why Tiger Woods, in spite of the fact that he drove it so poorly, last year there was able to hit you know, way more greens than everybody else. Uh, the person who finished second to Tiger in greens and regulation was Justin Thomas in 2019. The person who finished second to the most greens hit in 2018, which incidentally was Bubba Watson, was Justin Thomas. So, you know, if Justin had a decent week with the putter, um, I'm not sure anybody could be. But yeah. The problem is, he doesn't putt decent at Augusta National, or he hasn't. But more recently, he's, you know, he started working with a new coach. He's got a little bit more flow in his stroke. So, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be curious to see how that translates there. But, you know, Justin, you know, he just, you know, the first year he played there in 2016, he had seven three putts and a four putt. Uh, you know, he had another four putt 2018. You know, he, he's, he gets... And there's, there's certain holes out there that really, really getting, um, you know, he, he needs to come up with a strategy to play the third hole. It's not playing that hole well enough. He certainly doesn't have a, a good enough strategy at the seventh hole. He tends to too often get above the hole there. Um, the 13th hole, because in his career, he's feared going left. So he doesn't hit that fairway often enough to be aggressive enough into that. He gets in the wrong spot on the 14th green. He gets in the wrong spot on the 16th green. So, you know, he, you know, there's some, there's some things that he needs to overcome, um, but I've seen improvement in his stroke. And so I'm a little bit higher on Justin Thomas than I was last year when, it, when, when I was coming into the, uh, when we were coming into the Masters. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. 
Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Yeah, I, I, I also think Dustin Johnson, I don't know how the stats, if it truly validated, but it just seemed to me that he was putting, especially those key seven, eight footers that keep rounds going that he used to kind of miss, I thought, for someone of his ability a little too often, he was really you know, draining those and keeping his rounds going very cleanly. And, uh, you know, if he puts well at Augusta, then uh, just like Justin, I think that that changes the whole equation for him. And the other mystery guy is, is Brooks Kepka, who obviously, you know, hasn't been himself for better part of a year, maybe more than a year um, because of injury. But he says that he's finally feeling better. And he, he was more candid as time went on that I am hurt. I am not able to do what I want to do, get on my left side, hit the ball both ways, do all the things that made him pretty special, especially in majors. But he's going to be out at Houston this week. Uh, I think people will be watching very closely to see not so much what he scores, but how he looks. Uh, the ball flight, you know, the, the speed in his swing, the, the grace in his, in his movement. If he's back, you know, you got to believe uh, there's got to be some remnants of all that great mojo he had in majors before. And, and he finished second last year at the, at the masters. That was another step up for him. So just briefly, your, your thoughts about Brooks. Big question mark, you know, uh, you know, look, he did, he did play very well there last year, although, um, you know, he had a handful of, uh, of three putts and made the critical mistake there at the 12th, but, but played brilliantly, you know, and, there's no question when he's, when he's on, he's, uh, he's fun to watch, but you know, he's, he's, he's not like Rory at his best or Dustin Johnson at his best in that he's consistent week in and week out. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, there are highs and lows with Brooks, you know, because he, you know, he's, he's not quite as good around the greens as they, they are. Um, you know, he's, He's just not all the way through the bag as good as they are. <clears throat> and people are like, well, he's got more majors than, than uh, Dustin Johnson. But, you know, majors are, are, um, are not the best barometer, I would argue, for deciding who the best players are. You know, they, they, they're certainly, they certainly fail when you start stacking up great players with, with other players who have the same number of major championships. I've made this argument many times um you know yes he's a hell of a player brooks but he's he's you know he doesn't and hasn't ever displayed the level of consistency so he's a he's a bit more of uh of a question mark going into you know dustin johnson not much of a question mark john rom not much of a question mark justin mm -hmm. thomas is not much of a question mark um you know, you, you, you know, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, these, these are very consistent players. Um, and, and Brooks is, you know, he's, he's a bit like, you know, a little bit like a, an Angel Cabrera, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, when he shows up and he's on, you wonder how he ever loses. Um, but then, but then he disappears quite often. And then the injuries are, are just another hurdle um, and another question mark in the mix. So he's certainly not going to be on my list of favorites, although, you know, we'll see what he does at Houston going yeah. into, uh, going into the masters. Well, I think, you know, that streak of four of nine majors in which he won and had a couple of seconds was a historic streak. Uh, obviously it does not define his whole career, but it will, it made history. I will give him that he has shown that he can meet the moment mentally the biggest moments. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you that majors shouldn't be the only measure of who's the best player, but I do think being able to handle the pressure of expectation and scrutiny and history is a, a really important dimension. And I think he's shown that as well as any player in the game today. So maybe he accesses that next week. Uh, if he does have a good week at, at Houston, uh, he's intriguing. He's, he's intriguing. I guess, but I, I mean, like, like, again, and, and while I, you know, I, you and I have gone back and forth on this distance debate. Um, that's why I think it's imperative that golf courses be set up to give a proper test. 
for the distance that players hit a golf ball. Because while I'll, yeah, look, these are, it was a great accomplishment, his run in the major championships, but they were on wide open. Absolutely. It was tennis without the net. Um, you know, his, you know, um, Aaron Hills, you know, you cannot hit as many fairways in a major championship as he did there. I mean, you just can't hit it as far and hit that many fairways and you can't play with, you know, with impunity. Um, you know, Shinnecock, same, same deal, very wide fairways. Um, um, you know, the, the, in St. Louis, the PGA championship, the, the, the misses were not punished because the greens were so soft. So yes, he, he's a hell of a player and it was a hell of a run, but I don't think that you can extract. And I, this was my whole point at the masters last year. Is he tough mentally? Heck yeah, absolutely. You don't make the PGA tour without being tough mentally. You don't win major championships without being tough mentally, but to extrapolate from those wins that he has the best mind in the game of golf, um, you know, it's overlooking the fact that the golf courses that he won on were wide open and, and not necessarily um, as punishing um, as they should have been and as stressful as they should have been. You know, it's, it's when someone faces stress that you see the strength of their, of their uh, tenacity, when you see what they're made of. Now, look, the up and down that Brooks Kepka made at Shinnecock for bogey on the 11th hole on Sunday of the U.S. Open was, I mean, that was nothing but metal. That was, that was top of the food chain. So, again, it... it you know, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that he's not tough mentally. He certainly is. But on a golf course that, that demands a player have complete control off of the tee uh, or suffer the consequences, that is a better test of the makeup of a player, at least, at least in my view. Uh, and, you know, as I said last year, I think, you know, as long as Tiger Woods is in the game of golf, um, I'm not willing to cede the best mind in the game to anybody but him. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say he had a better mind than Tiger. I, I only think that uh, that measure at majors is the one that sometimes is what separates people in history, rightly or wrongly. Uh, but I will say his, his run at Beth Page when he had the seven-stroke lead on the back nine and lost all of it except one, I believe he's lost it, uh, Dustin, I think Dustin got within one, perhaps two. That was stress. And and Brooks righted the ship there with a couple of tough pars on, on very tough hole, at 15 at Beth Page, et cetera. So that was, I thought, a moment that validated. Again, him. again, the 63 that he shot with Tiger Woods in the first mm -hmm. round, I mean, and the and the the golf that he played in the first two rounds at Beth Page is the is the best two rounds of golf I've ever seen anybody play. Is when he's on, his talent is immense. And and as I said, I mean, he is formidable, um, but, you know, the only problem I have with um, anointing him um, with the same sort of reverence in terms of skill that we do Rory um, is because I think Rory has proven to be more consistent in the long haul and has less holes in his game. Um, and, and I think that is, you know, at least as equal as someone's ability to win major championships. Um, it's, I, I value consistency as, as much as I value brilliance. And Rory has both, both of them. Okay. I, I mean, to get too bogged down on Brooks, uh, I, I think he might take the tennis without a net comment into, into the masters. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm just saying that's a, that's an easy headline to kind of go, Oh, okay. Uh, I'll show well, Aaron Hills and Shinnecock. Um, uh, and, uh, what is it? The golf course, uh, in St. Louis, uh, Bellry. Bellry. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think yeah. Beth was the, was the brute in that one. No question. Yeah. Uh, now, but yeah, I mean, Beth Page was another animal that was, uh, you know, that was, that was a, an absolute brawl between him and Dustin Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's a big question mark, Brooks, uh, and uh, but but also a formidable talent. So you know, certainly somebody that has everybody's attention, but he wouldn't be in my top five favorites going into the Masters. Certainly not right now. Yeah, yeah I don't think he would be in most people's, uh, and not mine either. But I I'm very intrigued in how he plays this week, especially. Uh, one guy who will be, I think, will be John Rahm, who I find, you know, kind of steadily improving, uh, especially, I think, in his, uh, his ability to keep his rounds uh, on a nice, even keel mentally. Uh, I think that was a, a battle for him. And obviously, he's got a lot of fire that helps him tremendously as far as his motivation and his, his intensity uh, towards winning. But it, it can backfire. And I think he's gotten better at that. Um, just very quickly, my own assessment, because he's one of the guys who appreciates golf uh, history and, and wants to be part of it, Augusta can often be a place where, sure, you're inspired, but you're also carrying a burden of really wanting it so badly. Uh, and I think of Crenshaw, who, of course, he won two of them, so you can't say it backfired, but it, it definitely was something that was an extra amount of, of, of mental burden to, to carry through and overcome. And I, I you know, that's my view of John. I think he's got everything and it, and his time is coming and maybe it's next week. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it'll be a leap, I think, in terms of the amount of pressure that he'll have to overcome. Uh, again, your thoughts. Well, he's got a nice trend going, you know, he's played uh, just three times at the masters and he's finished 27th, fourth and ninth. Uh, you know, the thing about Augusta national, the most important aspect of your game there, is your iron play, you know, certainly every aspect is, 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 is important there, but nothing is more important than the ability to hit um, and be amongst the leaders in greens and regulation mm -hmm. and be able to hit it high enough that you can sort of keep it, you know, underneath or pen high. Uh, and that is the weakest part of his game is, is his iron play. Uh, or should I say it is, you know, he's an elite world-class driver of the golf ball and to whatever extent, and, and he's very good with his iron play, but the best iron players win there typically, you know, when you start to look at Tiger, he's the best iron player of all time. Jack Nicklaus was arguably the best iron player of all time. And ben Hogan was the best iron player of all time. I mean, in their eras. And now then if you said here, and argued about which of those three was the best. You could probably make a checkmate argument for any of the three of them. Uh, Jordan Spieth, similarly, with a fabulous record at Augusta National, at his best was you know almost unbeatable with his iron play. Uh, you know, Rom, you know, to the degree that he has struggled in his three attempts at Augusta National, you know, it's it's primarily on you know like the par three holes where he doesn't benefit from his great drives off of the tee, you know, number four, number six, number 12, uh, and number 16, he's, you know, 16 requires sort of a draw, sort of a soft draw into that green. Um, and he's played, you know, 16, um, you know, certainly worse than when you start to go back and look over the last 10 years, who's won the event and what they've done he, you know, he's giving up significant strokes on, on four, on six, certainly on 12 and on 16. So, you know, he's, he's got to come up with, again, a strategy um, to put his, uh, his tee shots in the right place on these par threes. And, you know, other than that, I, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll certainly be uh, amongst my favorites, but, you know, he gets a little quick when he gets, um, when he gets under the gun. And again, the things that I, I love are at Augusta national are high cuts off draws and he can certainly cut it. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think that's a huge aspect and he's, he's able to, when he wants to, you know, take that three wood and hit trap draws down there. Um, and he's, he's better around and on the greens than I think really people give him credit for, but it's just key iron shots at the par three holes and not getting quick um, when, he, when he gets, uh, you know, if he gets the lead 
on Sunday. He tends to get a little bit quicker with the lead on Sunday. So those are, you know, those are two substantial hurdles. Um, but again, he's, he's an easy person to look at and put in the top five favorites at, at Augusta National. Well, those are great nuances. Uh, the, the iron play, especially uh, to the par threes. Um, those par threes, uh, they take their toll after 72 holes if you don't have, you don't have distance control and, and emotional control. A uh, couple of guys down the stretch here, because we, we're going to try to get in um, within an hour just to uh, keep things moving on a, as the election moves along <laughs> right now. But um, Tiger Woods, clearly, you know, probably front of mind for everybody, just from the incredible narrative of his life and his career and where he is right now and, and defending champion and all that drama that happened last year. But this year has not set the stage for something apparently uh, similar. Uh, of course, if he gets to Sunday, he's the most dangerous guy on the board. But getting to Sunday in contention seems like it's going to be a big challenge. I think the weather looks like it'll be favorable to his, to his back, more so than perhaps uh, it looked like it might be uh, in terms of November and Augusta. But it's going to be warm. So, you know, just so many things we can say about Tiger. Uh, again, I, I never discount anything because if he finds it, much like Phil, those guys can catch lightning in the bottle better than, than anybody still in the game, probably. Uh, but Willie, how, how are you feeling about Tiger? Well, you know, no golf course has been kinder to its past champions or to its, you know, older players than Augusta National. It, it allows them to come back. And, you know, once you've demonstrated that you have the necessary skills to play at Augusta National, it's a gift that keeps on giving. And, and it's given Tiger a lot. And it's given us a lot. Uh, to chew on as we've watched Tiger throughout his career. But when you start to look at the players that have been rewarded as they've aged um, and Jack Nicholas, you know, he put on one of the best performances tee to green there at 46 years of age of anybody who's ever played the masters in the statistical era. And that's how formidable what Jack Nicholas did in 1986 was. Uh, you know, it was, you know, tee to green, only Trevor Immelman in the statistical era has had a better tee to green week than Jack Nicholas in route to victory. And wow. that's, you know, that's going back to 1981, where you can, you can find all the stats and add them all up. One player has done better than Jack Nicholas did at 46 years of that's age. Great tribute to Trevor. That's uh, well, no, Trevor, I mean, what Trevor did in 2008 there is, is mind boggling. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. it was a virtuoso uh, performance, um, tee to green. But so was Jack Nicklaus in 1986. I mean, everybody looks at that week as this magical week and it all came together for him on the back nine, but it had come together for him throughout the week. The putter just didn't come along for the ride until the last yeah. 10 holes. Um, so what I'm getting at is that, you know, players who've played well there late in their careers typically have been able to still drive the ball with, with some reliability. What Tiger did there last year is, is stupefying. He won there with the, with the worst week in the history of major championships off of the tee since we've been keeping stats, um, with only one exception that I could find. And that was um, 1999, um, Jose Maria Alathabo won at Augusta National and he was hitting it short and cricket. I played with him the first two rounds and I, I remember it quite well, but, but otherwise Tiger was, you know, all over the place and, you know, not, not particularly long. And somehow he was still able to hit 58 greens in regulation. And then of course, everybody imploded mentally on the back nine. You know, if there's one hole at Augusta National that, that will reveal whether or not somebody has what it takes to win the masters, it's number 12. It's, it, it's, not, it's not the par fives. It's, <clears throat> you know, in the last 10 years, there's been of the, of the players that have won. So, and in regulation, that's 720 holes that they've played. 
and there's only been one double bogey made. Okay, one double bogey. So, I mean, I mean, it's almost as if, and that, and that trend more or less continues if you go back even farther. So, you know, what a double bogey says about a player is, is one, that they're making a poor mistake from a strategic standpoint. And two, that they're not necessarily um, able to, once they get in trouble, get out of trouble. And, and three, that they're not technically where they need to be. I mean, that double bogey says a lot. It's like, you know, it, it's almost game over if someone makes a double bogey. So when you, when you stand on the tee at the 12th hole, double bogey stares you straight in the face. I mean, every year with, well, almost every year, the most doubles and others occurs at the 12th. So it's like that hole is, is an x-ray machine. And it's like, you know, does this person have it or does they, does, or do they not? And last year at the Masters to watch, you know, Molinari, Finau and, and Kepka all hit it in the water. I mean, first of all, that, that never happens that the three closest pursuers all struggle epically. And then to see Tiger Woods hit it right in the middle of the green, it was like, you know, that right there tells you who Tiger Woods is mentally. And you said it, you know, if he gets to the back nine on Sunday, nobody's more dangerous than him. And I, those are, you, you couldn't, you couldn't write that any better. You couldn't say anything more profound than that um, because that's still the case. He still has between the ears what it takes. It's just, does he have within his bones, you know, does he you know, physically have what it takes to do what he needs to do to win there? And it's, it's, um, you know, he's already, he's already given us so many uh, historical improbable victories. Uh, you know, no doubt he's going to have one more for us. And it would seem, um, you know, fitting for Tiger to get to 83 wins at least. But, uh, but to do it at Augusta National or to do it in a major championship with the state of his game right now, it, it just it seems highly unlikely. Yeah, I think it would be a even a more uh, surprising, astounding achievement than last year, um, as, as astounding and, and surprising as that was. Well, it wasn't that surprising, but it was definitely astounding because of the way he did it. Um, well, let's get to the elephant in the room here, <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau, uh, who, you know, really did shock the golf world, I think, at, at Wingfoot, but in, in terms of winning by six with the style of play that he exhibited on a golf course set up supposedly to make people hit it straight and not play from the rough. So we've talked about that a lot. And Augusta is a much different test. I honestly think because strength was such an important factor to him negotiating the rough and finesse is such an important factor at Augusta and distance control and shot shape and, and feel that Augusta is still a more difficult victory for him than, than the U S open would be. Um, having said that, he comes in with tremendous confidence. Uh, this whole intriguing idea of where he's going to hit driver and how he's going to use driver, uh, whether he'll use a, a longer driver, which I doubt he will, but he has been working out with a 48-inch driver. So there's, there's this sense that I'm going to just try to take this place apart as much as I can with length, which others have done, as, you, as you've noted many times, whether it was Jack in 65 or Tiger in 97. It's, it's, it's part of the great... Um, performances at Augusta power, you know, clearly dominating, uh, with, with the, you know, the, the, uh, accompanying skills that are necessary, but the power being the most, um, uh, uh noteworthy. So having said that about Bryson, is this a place where he's going to shock the world again? Is he going to show us another way of playing Augusta? Is he going to do something that you know, everybody's paying attention to it, including the other players. Um, Cause we're seeing them experiment with longer drivers now too. He is influencing the game. If he does something like that at Augusta, it'll be even more influence. Will he do it in your opinion? You know, uh, Steve jobs had an interesting quote once when asked about the effect that uh, the Macintosh had on people. He said that older people want to know how it does what it does, but the younger people just want to know what it can do. And I feel like Bryson DeChambeau has that same 
pull on people watching him. Teachers in the world, every teacher in the world wants to know how he does what he does. But the rest of the world just wants to know what he can do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way most people are looking at this master's um, in respect to Bryson. They're, they're, they want to see what he can do. Like they're completely enamored with what they think he can do there. And, and while I, I'll admit it's, it's exciting, um, but it, you know, I think some of it's been, you know, people think he's going to drive it over the bunker on one and he may well, uh, and then cut the corner at two and, and he may, and he drive the green with a three with a three and, and he may and drive it over the bunker at five and cut the corner at third. He may do all those things, but I mean, that is, that is just one part of Augusta national, uh, you know, the, the thing is, I've said, the most important aspect of Augusta National is, is your iron play. Mm-hmm. And he certainly was a much improved iron player at, at the U.S. Open. More than his driving, his iron play impressed me at the U.S. Open. I've, I've seen people drive the ball. You know, there were five other players that drove the ball longer than him at, at the U.S. Open. You know, you, you see people who drive it occasionally long, mind-boggling long and you see people occasionally drive it long and straight but I had not yet seen him hit his irons quite as well as he did at the U.S. Open. The one thing I'll say is that Bryson loves to work if you watch Bryson when he gets into shots is he works he rehearses into out he rehearses a draw move you know with almost every club in the back and because you have so many uneven lies at Augusta National. It's important to one, to have an upright swing and to two, uh, be able to swing across your line, mm-hmm. left to right. Because even if the ball's below your feet, you gotta go down and get it and pick it off that lie. And if you're swinging into out, it's, it's harder to get at a ball well below your feet. And if you're swinging into out and the ball's above your feet, and you need to hit high soft cuts into greens. Your club runs into the hill as opposed to cutting across it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, Jordan Spieth had the perfect iron shots. Uh, and why I think Rory kind of went to a cut shot was because that's such an important aspect of Augusta National. Mm-hmm. And why Jack Nicholas was so good there. He could hit the high cuts off draw lines that you need at 1, 10, uh, 13. Um, just to name two, um, maybe 18 as well. But, and so Bryson, you know, I'm curious more than watching him drive it there. I'm curious to see what his iron play will be like at a place that at least in my view, doesn't set up perfectly for him. Uh, You know, he hasn't played well at Augusta national, but he hadn't played well at any majors really until the PGA championship. And, so he's recreated himself. And I am curious to see if this recreation will be as successful at Augusta National as it was at Harding Park um, or it was at Wingfoot. Well, I, I, I would be surprised, even though what you just talked about is not something you hear in, in casual golf talk very much, you know, uh, hitting high cuts off of hook lies. I'd be surprised if he hasn't considered that. Uh, even intuitively as he gets over a ball on a, on a a hook lie to a, to a green where you have to land it high and soft. Uh, Has he honed it? I don't know. I think that's what you're talking about. Can he actually pull it off in a way that is championship level golf? Um, But I think he has continually improved through the bag. And that is something that gets overshadowed um, because of the length that he's driving it and his body transformation and the way he's talking about the game. But definitely, there's no question. He putted great at Wingfoot. He chipped it great at Wingfoot, all the way back to the to the tee. He was not uh, lacking in skill, uh, and I think that skill will be the determiner whether he wins at Augusta. Will he have the skill from the green going backwards? Um, because it, it has to start on the green. You cannot be three putting at Augusta. Um, and as Justin Ray, I think, showed uh, in the last those who have completed eight rounds in the last three years, he has the worst um, putting average of anyone. 
Yeah, but, but again, the putting average there, what, the putt you have at Augusta National is a representation of how you played the hole. No, so, I understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's, it's not apples for apples. I mean, you're saying his, his iron play not being up to par left him a lot of very difficult putts. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not the same. I mean, yeah, right. putting's important, of course. Well, he wasn't a very good putter as a young tour player. He's become a, a, a very, I mean, sixth in, in strokes game putting. So he's, he's, he's made himself. Yeah. He's become an extraordinary putter, yeah. um, you know, and again, that's, that's, that's easily overlooked uh, with him. So, you know, you say it may well have occurred to him and it, and it may well have. And the thing I love about him is that if it did occur to him, he would have, you know, he would have likely figured out how to hit that shot. Um, at Augusta National, that that is the thing that is the most intriguing about Bryson is that he is he's able to recreate himself, and he's not afraid to take all those chances. I mean, yeah. to some extent. Well, I mean that was that was Tiger Woods, wasn't it? I mean, Tiger Woods consistently recreated himself. He wasn't afraid to take all those chances, um, and I think that's that's been the most compelling aspect of Bryson. I agree with you. Uh, the risk. The risk and Tiger did it. You know, Tiger, Tiger didn't have the uh, analytics and the. Uh, I mean, he certainly had the head and the mind and the will. But I think Bryson has also had that extra step in terms of the progress in, in technology that he's used to his advantage. Uh, but it starts with determination and this incredible obsession that you know he's. I think what he did during the pandemic that's that's as an interesting and maybe productive a moment of improvement, short moment of complete immersion and improvement as any athletes ever done, certainly in golf uh, that I can think of. I mean, maybe there have been, but certainly not ones we knew about publicly. Um, let you go. Uh, there's a couple of guys, just wild cards. Uh, Matt Wolf, who's probably longer than Bryson naturally and has really shown he can step up on the big stage and can really putt. I think he, he's very interesting and scary at, at Augusta. And Phil, uh, who, you know, just because he's, he's Phil, <laughs> uh, you know him well. Uh, give me a quick comment on those two and then we'll, we'll sign off. Well, Matt's, you know, right there where I was talking about, you know, I mean, it's a top 15 in the world event. He's, uh, he's in the top 15 in the world. It, you know, you need to be able to work the ball right to left off of the tees. He can certainly do that with, with, with great ease. You know, does he have, you know, I, one of the things that I think has been interesting about young players coming into the game in the last few years is that they have they have had better strategy, I would argue, in many cases than veteran players on golf courses because they have learned through using things like Google Earth and dispersion cones and percentages and saber metrics to in essence, become a veteran on golf courses that they've never played. Mm -hmm. And as we've looked at, you know, the history of Augusta National, we talk often about the difficulty of first time players there. And I think some of that difficulty, or maybe even a lot of that difficulty will be obviated by players' abilities to do deep dives in sabermetrics on the golf course. So a guy like Matt Wolf, who doesn't have, from a predicting standpoint, the experience that somebody would necessarily need to be, you know, one of their top picks, he would be able to overcome all those things with, uh, <clears throat> with preparation outside of physically being on the, on the golf course. So I, I'm curious to see how he plays the golf course. Uh, you know, the same way I'm curious about Colin Morikawa, you know, um, you know, at fourth in the world, again, you know, you start to look at players like John Rahm and Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson, these guys, you thought when they came out or like, well, they need to play at Augusta four or five times mm -hmm. before they're ready, before they're seasoned. Um, and I'm not sure that's the case with Colin Morikawa. I'm not sure that's the case with, with, with Matt Wolf. Uh, because again, I think there is a bit of a revolution going on in the game of golf with younger players coming out on tour with better aspects of power. And, and I've given 
teaching a lot of credit in the last three or four years. It's drastically changed. Um, it is it is far more objective in, in nature. And we're seeing the evidence of that and in, in young players coming out ready to go uh, physically and mentally. So Matt Wolf is intriguing. And, you know, again, um, Phil Mickelson has benefited from these from these kids, um, yeah. you know, he picks their brains, he hangs out with them, you know, not unlike Mark O'Meara hanging out with Tiger Woods. And you could say that Mark would have benefited perhaps, and, you know, late in his career, won two major championships, um, you know, as a, you know, maybe he picked something up from Tiger Woods, maybe he picked his brain, maybe it was just that he kept him younger, uh, you know, and I, and I, you know, I think Phil still has, you know, uh, the chance to win, you know, uh, a few events on the PGA tour. He, he, he has the one aspect of the game that, that goes away the fastest is, is speed. He found some more speed in mm-hmm. his uh, late forties, which is amazing. It's been fun to watch. He hasn't figured out how to harness that speed. He hasn't figured out how to do the things that he does to create speed and still find that great iron game that he had. Um, but again, he's, he's going to a place where, as I said, with Tiger Woods, where it has been very kind to the elderly and very kind to past champions. So if there's one place where Phil Mickelson could come back and win on the PGA Tour more easily than any other, I would argue it'd be at Augusta National. Thank you, Brandel. You know, Augusta is always the, like the richest conversation because we know the most about the place. It has sort of the richest, um, I think, tournament narratives because of the back nine and and all the drama that we remember year after year we all remember the 12th hole last year it's just a it's a place where you set the stage and you let it happen with with more anticipation than than any other place so we'll see you next week look forward to it Jaime. take care travel safe yeah you too see you up there thanks for uh thanks for the hour always enjoy it me too thanks everybody see you next time Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.